first of all, thank you, Unaima, so much for this initiative, for reaching out and for inviting me to speak on your platform uh, this evening. And Fatma, really nice to meet you both. And it's so cool to know that you met when, on a competition that's related to trying to tackle the SDGs. Uh, that gives me a lot of hope that your generation is probably going to do a lot better than my generation and the one before me, taking care of this planet and, and doing things a little bit more sustainably. So my name is Shadda Sharif. Um, I wear quite a few hats. So first and foremost, I'm a mom to two awesome kids. Uh, but I also am uh, my background, you know, so I did 15 years ago, I did my undergraduate master's in environmental engineering, and I have been working in the sector of environmental sustainability, climate change consulting and advisory for the last 15 years. I'm currently based in Amman, Jordan, uh, but I've actually worked all over the MENA region. Uh, I have not been able to come to Bahrain yet, uh, but you know, I have been able to work in neighboring countries uh, like Oman, the UAE, Saudi Arabia. Uh, but I've also, you know, been exposed to what's been going on uh, in terms of sustainability in Lebanon, Jordan, Tunisia, mm -hmm. Egypt. So I'd be more than happy to share both my experience from Jordan, but also in the wider MENA region. Oh, and one more thing to share about myself is, you know, I felt that even though I, you know, in my personal life, you know, I talk a lot about the things that I care about. So for example, a country like Jordan, uh, moving towards a greener economy, um, I felt that it wasn't enough for me to be speaking on these issues on, on just professional platforms for like-minded people, which is why I'm, you know, feel grateful that we have platforms like Instagram, like Zoom, uh, where we can spread the message more widely. And so that's why I wanted through Instagram to also establish platform Sustain Mina. Uh, and so that's a place for anyone, you know, anywhere in the world, but it has a particular focus on the MENA region to share success okay. stories, to share people whom I like to call our green heroes. Uh, because a lot of time from our region, we're hearing very upsetting news about wars and conflicts. And, you know, it's always not a very encouraging image, right? So... Uh, you know, what I've seen that we've been doing a lot of really great things, you know, in this region, we are leading on renewable energy, on electric vehicles, on smart agriculture. So I wanted to celebrate these things and promote them so that hopefully this become the norm uh, rather than the exception. Um, so not to bore you a lot with my CV, you know, but I've worked within the government. <laughs> so I, I worked as a director of the environmental fund at the ministry, uh, but I also worked uh, leading national programs with um, international partners like USAID, the World Bank, the European Bank for Reconstruction Development. And I can tell you more about that and the UNDP and others, uh, and also worked within the private sector doing sustainability consulting and climate consulting. So the reason I tell you guys all of this is because it really takes the public sector, private sector, all kinds of organizations to push a sustainability agenda, whether it be on a country level or on an international or regional level. So that's enough about me, uh, but I'm really excited to hear your questions so we can engage you and your uh, viewers uh, on topics that might be interesting to you. So I think we want to start from the very beginning. What got you passionate about, you know, sustainability? What really made you think about, um, you know, how important this is and why you should be playing a role? Well, to be honest, you guys, I always felt that, um, you know, no matter what work you do in life, it really had to matter, right? It had to have a mm -hmm. bigger impact than just like going to the office, getting a salary at the end of the month, you know, so what am I actually contributing to my society, to my country and to my world, right? So I feel very privileged that my parents really invest in my and my siblings' education. You know, we uh, had the opportunity to study in different countries. So I grew up in Jordan, but I had the chance to do my studies in the U.S. And, um, you know, just getting exposed to all these different uh, ideas, sort of the latest, you know, science related to environmental uh, planning and policies. And then the question was, okay, Shada, you, this, you've got these really cool degrees. What are you going to do with them? So that's why, you know, when I came back to Jordan, um, you know, Jordan had many environmental challenges. I don't know how much you know about Jordan, but uh, people like 
to say, I don't find it very inspiring, but it, it's unfortunately true. Jordan is the second most water scarce country in the world. And that's mm-hmm. a scary thing to hear, right? Like if, if you're from Jordan, you were like, okay, how can I help? How can I contribute to this issue? So things like that gave me sort of the driver in my mouth to really want to be part of the solutions, right? To address these issues. With time, I started learning that our issues are not just about water. Uh, water is a big one, but also energy is an issue. You know, countries like Jordan are not fortunate, maybe like Bahrain or countries of the Gulf to have a lot of um, indigenous fuel resources, right? Um, Mm-hmm. So we had to be a bit more resilient. How can we, um, you know, make use of things like renewable energy to really be more? Um, so all these things for me provide so many exciting challenges to be a part of. And, you know, with time throughout my career, I started getting involved at different levels. So at first it would be like, okay, get involved in a particular project. You know, for example, we had this uh, historic village in one of the southern mountains in Jordan, you know, and how are we going to do a wastewater treatment plant in that village that would be sustainable and that would run on low energy, you know, and that was a very exciting challenge. So, and then uh, after that, we started getting more into renewable energy projects. Jordan now has like over 2000 megawatts of renewable energy, you know, like uh, solar solar panels and wind turbines. Um, Maybe we don't hear enough about these cool things, but it's happening. We have like 20,000 electric cars in in, in our roads. Uh, We have the most uh, energy efficient wastewater treatment plant in the region, Samra treatment plant. Uh, We're able to take our trash and turn it into methane. So it's actually this this country has become this, like, let's say a a center for innovation in these different Mm -hmm. types of clean technology. So where do I come in. So someone like me can either help on a project level, on a policy level, right? Because a lot of these things happen when the government and policies are favorable for them to happen. Okay. Just to give you an example, renewable energy took off in Jordan because we had good renewable energy laws. I was fortunate to be involved in the laws around electric vehicles, and that helped us get more of these kinds of vehicles on the ground. So project level, policy level, And one thing I really love to do, and I've been doing in my career, is sort of partnerships, right? So a lot of these things don't happen unless you find the right partners and you do something bigger and better together. So I'll leave it at that, you guys, but happy to take on more questions. I think I just want to say something when you when you said, you know, when you when you mentioned about partnerships, I remembered um, during the same competition, we talked about me and Fatma earlier, uh, where we met each other. I actually said this during my pitch, I said, um, we're not going to be able to make change, unless we all take part in it, or at least feel like we're all going to be able to contribute Mm -hmm. to that change. Um, And I think that's very important um, to mention, I think, for everybody to know Mm -hmm. um, that you have, you know, equal importance to actually do something and especially if you're faced with a problem Mm -hmm. um you know there's always a chance to innovate there's always a chance to come up with solutions but how how do we know if those solutions are going to work if we're not actually going to work on it together and you know with all our support and actually be on the same page so thank you so much for saying that no absolutely and if i can share with you guys a story that happened with me just today um i started off my day with uh, a talk to uh, some grade five students, uh, you know, at an all girls school here in Ann. And they asked me to come speak about natural resources. And this really bright young girl, she's like, you know, Ms. Shedda, do you think a lot of these changes you're talking about are not happening because people just don't communicate? I'm like, yes, absolutely. You know, because we, <laughs> we have these technologies, right? I don't think the world is missing good technology, right? Yeah. But then what her yeah. statement made me feel like, okay, technology, you need to add two C's to them, right? 
communication, cooperation. So those two things, uh, when you overlay them on top of good technology, that's when really you can make something happen at a bigger impact and a bigger scale. Because some, you know, one company, one entity, you know, one professor sitting in a university can't do it alone. One uh, industry person who's like, oh, I have this awesome technology, can't do it alone. You need the government guy, the technology guy, the scientist, you need the youth, you know, because you guys are going to be innovating, right? We're not going to stop at the technology we have today. You're going to keep making it better and better. So that's absolutely key. Partnerships and collaboration, definitely. Definitely. Bama, do you want to go ahead with your question next? Yeah. So like you said in the beginning, when you were talking about your CV, can you please talk about your experience when you were the director of the Jordan Environment Fund? It was like? Yes, absolutely. You know, when I did, when I took up that role, um, it was a surprise for me because, you know, uh, we all like, we go do our degrees abroad, we come back to our countries and, you know, we want these, you know, high paying jobs in the private sector or with international organizations. And it's not typical for someone with my experience to say, oh, you know what, maybe I should go into the public sector. We, we unfortunately in the Arab world sometimes associate public sector with things that are slow and bureaucratic and not very exciting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I felt that that's where change needed to happen, right? If you want something to get better, you try and actually find the hardest problem, the place where the biggest challenge is and you tackle it right there. So I was, you know, I felt it was a big honor for me to be able to play a role in my country's government, uh, the environmental fund was housed at the Ministry of Environment. It's a really cool mandate, you know, to uh, basically support projects on the ground. Uh, so, you know, the kinds of entities we were supporting would be like a little NGO, you know, in, in the north of Jordan that wanted to implement a recycling program or uh, a public institution that wanted to do a tree planting campaign using treated wastewater or uh, developing of game apps, you know, for kids to raise their awareness on environmental issues. But what I wanted to do at that fund, Fatima, was to um, make it a bit more strategic because the laws for that fund were written back in 2009. So when I came in around 2018, 19, we kind of needed to update the laws and regulations of that fund to make it more relevant to today. Uh, So what's important to us today? You know, uh, climate change is a big issue, Uh, circular economy, sustainable consumption production, uh, involving uh, youth, women, the vulnerable, Um, NGOs, municipalities, all of these really critical elements. Uh, I worked with our partners and stakeholders in Jordan to uh, develop new regulations for this fund. And we were able to issue a new bylaw in 2019 that included all these new uh, priorities, but also new ways of support because the world is becoming a bit more sophisticated, right? It's not just about giving an NGO a grant here or there, but you can actually work with other financial instruments. And you can also think about not just giving money, but also technical assistance, building skills you know skills like getting a good environmental project a lot of our local entities are lacking in this kind of skills so just to give you an example uh so it was a deep honor and we developed these ideas by convening NGOs in Jordan seeing what was important to them what they needed uh, but also like members of the private sector uh, and uh, others in the public sector. So look, talking to even other ministries, ministries of waste, transport, and things like that. So it was a really exciting experience. And it gave me a better understanding of, um, you know, if you take your time to understand how the laws of a country work, you can actually make change on them, right, to the better. But you need to be a bit patient and you need to work with people. So that was, I think, my big takeaway from that experience. Yeah, I feel like it was really necessary, of course, because in 2009 and now people are way more aware about sustainability and what they can do so Absolutely. thank you for that 
And yeah, I would just add one more thing that it opened my eyes to a big opportunity, which is known as green funding. You know, uh, this is something that's come on uh, due to the Paris Agreement, where lots of countries have committed billions of dollars to support other countries in adapting to climate change and building a greener economy. So the fund was trying to say, okay, how can we attract some of these funds to Jordan? You know, as I mentioned to you guys, we have lots of environmental challenges. So instead of taking loans from these big banks, or instead of putting more pressure on our government, we can bring in, you know, investments and green funds to really lift up other sectors. This is for me, I saw how the environment can be there to lift every other sector in the economy, be it energy, water, transport, or agriculture. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Amama has another question. Sure, shoot. <laughs> okay. So um, I think, um, you know, you've been a mentor also for some time, I guess, and we've actually been in touch with some of your, well, some, some of your students and um, they've told us amazing things about you. And wow. yeah. you might have done some, <laughs> some, in, some investigative reporting. Very impressive. <laughs> And um, I think you've also worked with a lot of youth. What is something that you've got to know while working on? You know, what I've gotten to know is that um, this generation really has better understanding of the challenges that the world is facing today, you know, because you guys are sort of a, a generation that's so exposed. Information is at your fingertips. You are saturated mm -hmm. with information about, you know, SDGs, climate change. And I think it really moves you. I think this generation really understands urgency and see that it can play a role. I mean, you know, in your in your uh, choices, right, where you buy things from, you care about sustainable fashion, you care about healthy food, you know, about uh, social equity, about cyberbullying. So, you know, I've never seen a generation that's so plugged in, right? But at the same time, uh, you know, I think it's really healthy and important for generations to work together, right? Uh, yes. You know, so, sometimes people from my generation are afraid to work with Generation Z or X or Y or whatever, you know, because you guys... <laughs> You guys might find our ideas a bit too dated or old fashioned or something. So I think it's really important to collaborate because you've got the wisdom, you've got the experience, but then you guys also represent the innovation, the excitement, and this really, uh, I would say ethical, really strong sense of ethics that, you know, we, this, you recognize we have serious issues in the world and the, the 17 SDGs, I think, capture the key problems and the key solutions that we need to be working towards. So that's what I've learned. What I've also learned is that, you know, we need to work with youth to help them transfer their ideas, you know, so wherever they're there's a, a social or environmental issue, how can they be transferred into social enterprises, for example, into initiatives? You know, how do you channel this amazing energy that the youth have into creating impact? real impact, you know, through real initiatives or projects or innovations on the ground. And uh, our region is an, is an amazing playground, I would say, for all of these ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a lab. It's like a learning lab of all of these great ideas to be implemented. And I've seen such amazing, inspiring examples of youth coming up with solutions to tackle waste, you know, through recycling apps here in Jordan, for example. In Lebanon, you know, they're working on organic waste. Uh, in Egypt, you know, things to do with uh, ecotourism or innovations in wind energy or solar energy. So um, I think that the inspiration has been mutual, okay, between yeah. me and, and the people that I work with. And I, I always learn a lot uh, from the different, um, you know, let's say entrepreneurs, innovators, and, and just people who are trying to get the message out. Um, and so I feel like I have a responsibility to do my best to support. Um, and I'm keen for your ideas, any suggestions that I can do that more effectively. Maybe Instagram pages are not enough. Maybe I need to do more conversations like this. So um, oh, definitely open to improving for sure on that front. 
Yeah, I think you're doing pretty good, honestly. Like you've done so many things, and your platform is really good. Because considering most of the youth are on like platforms like Instagram, like you said, mm-hmm. so having an Instagram platform um, really helps like get your message out because anybody can see it. It's like one touch away yeah. due to technology. So yeah, no thanks, Fatima, for the feedback. But you know, I think it's an art, right? And it takes time, right, to create good content and edit and all of that. You said you were cool. the one kind of the communication person. Uh, so, you know, those are skills that I think people in my generation probably need to learn a little bit better. But anyway, thank you guys. Yeah. I think I totally echo with you on that part where you said, you know, we need to connect the generations as one um, when we're working towards innovation, sustainability. Um, that is something that we truly believe in as well in Youth Wave. It's not only about empowering youth, but kind of putting them at the forefront, but also letting them know that they have people they can rely on and have people that believe in them and will help them and will teach them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there is there really is no boundaries, I guess, to learning um, from each other. So that is something thing that is very important and I'm so glad you said that. Well Maima, you know, I just want to also give a shout out to the mentors that I've had in my life. You know, uh, I, I, I maybe, you know, at, at, at different stages of my life, there's always been someone that I was able to look up to, uh, whether professionally, uh, whether they're working in an area I'm interested in. I would just always encourage you guys, encourage everybody in, 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 in that's kind of growing up and still learning to not be afraid to reach out and ask, right? Like if there's someone doing something that you find interesting, um, you know, it's easier to find people now. Uh, you could just, uh, you know, drop them a line, say, I'm interested in studying this or that or uh, um, you know, not not to feel like you have to go through life alone, uh, not to be a bit proud to ask, you know, I think we should do our best to learn from those that came before us. So even though I'm a mentor, I feel like for some people, I too still seek out mentors, you know, people who still inspire me in their work, their career, the way they communicate, their leadership skills. It's a never ending process. You know, I don't feel like I have all the knowledge uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a mentor only, but I also need mentors. So I think that's kind of a lifelong thing. It's like a mentality that you have that takes you through your different stages of life absolutely and um i think we, we want to be able to give a chance to the the audience that we have here sure. um do you yeah so let me just ask them very quickly do you guys have any questions for Mesheda? you can leave them in the chat box or you can also turn your mics on to um to ask okay when you were younger you know how everyone had a dream job that they wanted to be when they were younger did you mm-hmm. ever envision yourself doing this or did you have a different plan no i always thought i was going to be a pediatrician like a child doctor. Yeah, I always felt that that's, that's what I was going to be. So never have I thought that, you know, I'd be doing environmental advocacy or sustainability. But my advice is just to be open. And, you know, you get these opportunities that open up in front of you. Uh, so you just kind of need to see them and seize them, right? Uh, so yeah. seize the opportunities that come your way. Because as much as you try and plan really far into the future, you really don't know what your path is going to look like. So just have the right values, you know, have your heart in the right place and you'll just end up doing really cool things. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Good luck. Great response. <laughs> so, the, so the person saying bravo, uh, I will reveal is actually my husband. He's the awesome innovation guru, Dr. Muhammad, uh, who's speaking in the chat. So if, if you ever, Umayma wanted to talk to somebody on innovation and Nina, uh, Muhammad is your guy. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Um, while they're coming in, uh, can I please ask you a question? So mm-hmm. um, you have some very honorable positions and I just wanted to ask what fueled your passion? Because like now it's very common to talk about sustainability and do all of these projects, but I feel mm. like it wasn't as common 
uh, maybe 15 years ago when you were studying it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, as I told you from the beginning, um, I actually, before I went into the environmental field, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Uh, so I was pre-med and I was like getting ready to do med school and all of that. For different life reasons, I ended up going down the, you know, my plan B in life, right? Which was, I studied environmental engineering. I'm like, okay, if medicine doesn't work, I'll do this environmental consulting stuff. And I'm really glad that that happened uh, because while being a doctor, sometimes, you know, you can have impact and save a single person's life. I think when you work in the environmental sector and maybe you do something that's more on a national level or a regional level, you can impact, you know, a much broader segment of the population, you know, for example, if you work with government and you manage to introduce something related to clean energy, imagine the kind of impact that that can have on the country's economy, on, on the air quality for people. Uh, so this field has the potential to really have massive impact. And if you feel you can contribute even a little bit to something like that, you know, you come home at night and you tell really good stories and inspiring stories to your children. You know, like, you know, when my kids ask me, mama, what do you do all day? What's your work? You, know, you can be proud of, of the kind of things that you're doing. So I've always been driven by impact, Fatima, and it's always never it's never a dull day when you're working in sustainability because uh, you can be working on so many different types of projects in all sectors. So I've worked with clients in the banking sector or telecommunication. So you learn a lot from about different sectors. It's a very cross-cutting field. So if you're someone who's comfortable with this kind of complex, interconnected, constantly changing field, then sustainability is for you. But not everybody has to do it the way I did it. I, I'm kind of like that. I like that bird's eye view. I like connecting different sectors together. It doesn't scare me. Some people may like to specialize, you know, like, oh, no, I want to be really specialized in, you know, electric mobility or uh, in a certain kind of clean energy. And that's fine, too. So people whom I advise and talk to, you know, we have a discussion. I say, OK, you try your first job, take on different assignments, try to see where your heart feels most comfortable, where you're having impact and build your career accordingly. So even after my degree, I did lots of different certificates, you know, I did certificates on energy management, on green building. And, you know, these things helped open my eyes to new sectors because sustainability is really broad. And then you can sort of specialize in different areas. Today, I'm working a lot on things like climate finance, as I mentioned to you, and green economic transition. Those have been my focus for the past, I would say, year or so. Yeah, I completely agree, honestly, like considering we're not very sustainable as a region, especially because we've been developing so quickly. Like I think our country, Bahrain, it's considered like the seventh most polluted country in the world. Oh my um, goodness. So they're not very sustainable, as you can tell. And I just wanted to ask you, so what are some of the things that motivate you, especially in times like Corona? Because I don't feel like people realize the importance of sustainability, especially at times like these. You know, it's funny that we don't see it. And I would I would say the opposite. I would say we must see the importance of sustainability at times like these, because we have to ask ourselves how we got ourselves into this mess in the first place. It was due to, you know, unsustainable practices. You know, Corona and, and SARS and all those diseases are known as zoonotic diseases. They come from... Uh, uh, human beings kind of erasing those natural boundaries between humans and the natural world. How do we do that? By cutting trees, by uh, replacing natural ecosystems for grazing, by, you know, illegal trade of animals and plants. All those things created these viruses that came back to hurt us as human beings. So how can we not believe in sustainability or think that our impact needs to be well studied and more sustainable? You know, it's like we're living in denial. So in fact, the 
thing that Corona should do is actually wake us up that our previous, you know, practices were not sustainable. And we need to respect, again, our relationship with nature. And also at the same time, you know, when we say natural resources, you know, uh, not just, you know, with the natural world, but obviously how are we using our water, our energy, the kind of waste we generate, the water we drink, you know, its cleanliness is all dependent on our practices with waste, for example, or how we deal with plastic. We can't expect clean water if we don't do the other side of it, right? There's going to come a time when we go into a supermarket and we can't find a reasonably priced bottle of water. Not that I'm advocating for bottles of water. We should avoid buying bottles of water from the supermarket. You guys should have your reusable, you know, water bottles. But, you know, the things we take for granted today and, you know, we took for granted our health last year. Did anybody think we would live in a world like we're living today last year? We, we all took for granted, right? Yeah. Uh, we need to be smart. We need to learn from our mistakes. And the message from planet Earth is clear. You know, human beings, you're on an unsustainable trajectory. You must change course. Michelle, again, you've said some amazing things. And, you know, that should be really our focus. Um, so as one of your goals is to create an impact locally and in our region for people to be more sustainable and more eco-friendly, what initiatives do you think people should start? Like, I'm sure you talked about the many NGOs in Jordan, but in other regions, like, what would your advice be for the youth? You know, um, I think youth should feel that they have a role in policy as well. You know, sometimes youth think that, you know, the only thing I can do is organize something for my school or for my street, you know, but youth have a bigger power than that. And, um, you know, you've seen youth in other parts of the world you know just one example that people maybe keep using a lot but i'll just use it so like someone like greta thunberg right so you know she's you know done these um you know fridays for the future you know just this little girl sitting outside of her country's government saying you know we demand better response to climate change from our government and then that movement now has millions of people and you know that was that started with one young girl right and i just like the youth to remember that that they have a lot of power and you know even though a lot of them are innovative and they can do initiative on a small scale they also have an opinion on policy and on what to expect from their governments and so you know my advice would be to get in part of those dialogues because a lot of countries in the region now have these like vision documents in Jordan, you have Vision 2025. Yeah. In Amman, Vision 2040. In Bahrain, I don't know what the number is. But I think 20, I don't know, 2030, 2030 maybe. Yeah, yeah, and in each one of those visions, there's always something about, you know, engaging with the youth, working with the youth, you know. So, okay, you know, you guys are that generation and you need to read these documents, develop an opinion and say, you know what, we want to have a session with like, you know, the ministries here and give our inputs to that, right? So like that engagement that we if we're going to fix the future, you know, separate initiatives here and there are good, but we also need the entire country to work on the same wavelength. And you can only do that, uh, like we were talking before, through dialogue, cooperation, partnerships. And it would be great if that kind of regular dialogue happened uh, in a more systematic way. It's not like just, oh, once a, once a year, you know, we meet these ministers, we take a picture and that's it. No, it needs to really be part of how we plan and how we implement, um, you know, projects in the region. So first, I would say, you know, the youth need to um, increase their knowledge of, about these issues, feel that they have a role, be proactive, and use the tools that they have to raise their voice, right? And raise their ideas, you know, be it social media or writing or music or art or whatever it is. And then think about how you plan your career. You know, you don't have to plan your career in the very traditional way. You know, I'm just going to be an engineer or a doctor, but how can I make sure that whatever I do, I have impact and I'm communicating and I'm collaborating, right? So just get out of that sort of 
it's just me against the world mentality. Think about what's my impact for the world. Of course. I don't think, I think because the meeting ended, there's no more chat. So, um, Mama, is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I think that part was also equally important to mention. And, you know, for the youth especially, they need, first of all, to know about what's going on. And Mm -hmm. like he said, Machetta, to be proactive and also to catch on these opportunities that they have. And I think our region is especially focused on, you know, providing the youth with opportunities to work innovatively with a sustainable goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's something that really needed to be mentioned. And I guess maybe we could end on this because I guess we're taking a bit of your time. So I think my last question for you would be, what are some of the challenges you see in the field of innovation or sustainability? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I want to just say quickly something on the previous question is that I don't think the responsibility should fall obviously only on the youth, right? I think that you know, I, for me, from my perspective and through my own work, I try very much to engage government and make them also proactive in reaching out to all segments of society, right? Um, you know, how is this policy going to affect women? How is it going to affect vulnerable people? How is it going to affect refugees? You know, a country like Jordan, yeah. we have 20% of our population is refugees. So just to be a bit more sensitive, we call it being socially inclusive, right? So Jordan actually has a green growth plan. And the green growth plan is all about economic development that's socially inclusive and environmentally sustainable. And my wish and my hope is for all countries of the Arab world to have that kind of a vision and that kind of a plan. You know, vision, all these long-term visions are great, but I think they need to go, go through an environmental lens and also a social uh, lens, which obviously includes uh, the youth. So for me, what is the, ch- the challenge I see is really to shift that mindset on the policy level, you know, on the governmental level of all countries in this region. For us to say, you know, we need to cooperate on this agenda, uh, you know, because uh, our, our resources are linked, right? You know, there's something that we love to talk about in sustainability. We call it the water, energy, food nexus, right? You know, countries of this region are always trading energy or food or water. These are going to become more and more very scarce resources. So that needs a lot of cooperation and coordination. So I want to see more unification of action in this mm-hmm. region, you know, on the governmental level, you know, youth, you know, I, I love that you guys are not looking at Bahrain only, you're trying to link with youth in other parts of the Arab world, right? So, you know, those kind of cross-country collaborations, I think that's another challenge, but an opportunity. Uh, because in my dictionary, every challenge is an opportunity for improvement. Nothing is like, oh, okay, it's a challenge, so that we're not going to do anything about it. A challenge is a call for action. So for me, uh, those challenges are really what we should be focusing on now. You know, the world is talking about building back better after COVID. And what does that mean? You know, the the world is kind of on a pause button right now. Okay, we're going to go back to normal. Do we want to go back to the old normal or do we want to create a new reality that's more, you know, sensitive to biodiversity, climate change, energy efficiency, water efficiency? collaboration, social inclusivity. That's the agenda. That's the dream, you know? And it's not like, you know, we just take the SDGs as they are and apply them to our culture and our, you know, region. It's actually something that we can link to our own priorities and our own vision, right? So for us to localize these really cool concepts like the SDGs and add to it our innovation. So yeah, I guess I'll stop at that. You know, um, all our challenges can be turned into innovative opportunities. Um, Well, yeah, completely agree like i'm really glad a lot of change is happening right now like i think abu dhabi had their first like nuclear power station and i mean that's not the best energy resource of course because it's dangerous but i'm really glad that there's lots of change happening and you're completely right when it comes to that thank you fatima yeah and, and we should all like 
learn from the examples. You know, like you said, you know, some a project we need to weigh it on all of its pros and cons, and uh, as a society, uh, be able to learn from whatever project there is. Nothing's perfect, but at least we have a commitment to improve our performance, right? So um, I'm just going to finish this off. Thank you so much, Mashetta, for joining us today. And we've had a wonderful discussion. And, you know, we've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. And I hope you did too. I really enjoyed speaking with you guys. I'm always inspired by your questions that make me think and uh, see things in a different way. So keep doing the great things you're doing. Yeah, and you keep doing the great things you're doing. You're making a huge impact. Thank you, ladies. You're very sweet and good luck with those A-levels. You got them. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. And good luck with saving the environment. You're going to help us, okay? We're, we're, we're counting on you. We can't do it yeah. without you guys. Definitely. Awesome. We'll do our best as well. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Youth Wave Mina. All the best. Thank you so much.